Praise his name and not just do it by yourself, but have some other people to help you do it. Not that we absolutely have to have or need anybody else to help us lift up his name, but it sure does help when somebody else saying the very same name of the Savior that I worship and adore. Amen. Well, it feels good to be in his house tonight. Amen. To see everybody's smiling faces on a Thursday evening. Amen. And to feel his presence more importantly, and to feel his sweet spirit in this house tonight. Amen. Well, I may have to redeem some of those shorter messages that I preached. I think I have more notes than I have time. And all those times that I've only preached 20 minutes, 25 minutes, I may have to cash in just a little bit of my, my uh, time here that I've given to the saints of new life. Um, but I promise not to uh, belabor the point. I just want to give what God has laid on my heart. Amen. I want to point us to a passage of scripture just for my text. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 69. Pastor did a marvelous job teaching on this recently. But I just want to use a portion of this for my text. Matthew chapter 26 verse 69 says, Now Peter sat without in the palace. The damsel came unto him, saying, Thou also wast with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied them. He denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. And when he had gone out into the porch, another maid saw him and said unto them that were there, This fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And after a while came unto him, they that stood by, and they said to Peter, Surely thou art the one, art one of them, for thy speech bereath thee. Then began he to curse and swear, saying, I know not the man. And immediately the cock crew, and Peter remembered the word of Jesus, which said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. Amen. First John chapter 2. Turn there for a couple passages. First John chapter 2 and verse 3 says, And hereby we do know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. And, hath, and he hath said, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word and in him, verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know that we are in him. And he that saith he abideth in him ought also, ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. Amen. I want to talk to us a little bit tonight in a Bible study about knowing him, knowing him. Let's lay our Bibles down, let's lift our hands, and let's ask God to touch us, touch our hearts and our minds to receive the word of God. Heavenly Father. More like you, Master. Allow us to be in your image. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Amen, amen. You may be seated. Feels so good to be in the house of God. Amen. Certainly our story of our text was 
Peter's worst moment in his life. You look back and people reflect and we could sit here today and if each one of us were given the opportunity, I'm sure that we would all have an opportunity to look back in our mind and say, you know, that's one thing, if I could take back one thing. And we look through scriptures and we see where Peter was at his lowest moment. He denied knowing his master. He didn't do it just one time, but he done it three times. Far beyond the humili humiliation of being rebuked by Jesus and being called Satan. and Far beyond the attempt to walk on water and sinking and being forced to swim and being rescued. And far beyond all that, this moment in Peter's life, we see another instance I'm reminded of when he hacked off the ear and was rebuked by Jesus and Jesus then turned around and healed his enemy because of Peter's actions. Three and a half years have come and gone and Peter has gone through thick and thin and low times and the high points have been faithful to Jesus' side, but we find here in the midst, he denies Jesus in our text. Denies not just him as a savior, but denies even knowing Jesus Christ. Denies him one, two, and three times. It goes to think in my mind that in the context that we're looking at of knowing him, in my mind I think of Peter, you know, you really didn't know Jesus. If you could stand there and deny knowing him, and if I remember correctly, his pastor was teaching this. He was talking about Peter being outside and looking up and seeing Jesus on the balcony and denying him to his face. And then the rooster makes the noise and weeping bitterly. The first time the Peter's words, they were so sharp and simply, I, I don't know what you mean. And then it went on and it elevated it and his response was more passionate. I don't know this man. This passage is stirring because it shows that knowing God is what is most important. This words in Hosea we find, it says, let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. His going out is sure as the dawn. He will come to us as the showers, as the spring rains that water the earth. It is not enough to know of God. We must absolutely know him to be saved. We must know him to be efficient and effective in the kingdom of God. We can just, there's a lot of people that know of God. And you can do a poll on the street and you can work with people and you can say, do you know of God? Yeah, I, I know God. I believe in God. But they don't know God. And yet let us mark the well, the well, mark well the lesson of Peter's lowest point. And he looked at that revelation and seeing it and he wept bitterly knowing down deep inside of himself, I have failed my master. I have failed him. I, it's just not myself that I'm disappointed in, but I have disappointed Jesus. And herein lies the difference between true religion and everything else in our life of all others. Herein lies the difference between a relationship and a ritual, Brother Brandon. Herein lies the difference between just walking daily and saying I read my daily bread and actually doing something in the kingdom of God and being effective and as it was so uh, marvelously preached about everywhere all the time just everybody touching everyone in your life it, it's, it becomes more than just knowing but it becomes I know who he is and when you talk they say he knows the master to him 
It should be our greatest desire. But above all else, we must know Jesus. It's easy for us. You can pick a celebrity. You can pick a figurehead. And you can do research. And you can go to Wikipedia. And you can go to every website you can think of. You can go to live interviews. And you can get their books. And you can research and study everything about their life. And you can say, oh, I, I, yeah, Bill Gates, I, I know him. I know all about him. You can research every possible aspect of their life. You can know the food they eat and their likes and dislikes. But you run into him on the street. Is he going to know you? It's so easy for us in religious circles and Christianity and even in apostolic churches to, oh, yeah, I know him. But if he walked in this house tonight, would you know him? If he walked in and sat down next to you, would you really know it? It's easy for us to say, oh, well, I read the scriptures and I've been through countless Bible studies and I've taught countless Bible studies. But if it just becomes, oh, I know of God, then it just becomes the ritual and the routine. But we must, we must know him because the Bible is an absolute truth. It's easy for us to look through scriptures and we can point out faults and errors in other people's lives and we can say, oh, well, this is where they messed up, but we don't look in our lives and see, well, I need to make some improvements. We can see where it's easy to know many facts about God and yet not know him. We find in John chapter 5, it says, for had you believed Moses, you also, you would have believed me for he wrote of me. They made the mistake of thinking that knowing about God could substitute of knowing about him directly. When he came to them, he, they didn't even know him. When he walked in their presence, they didn't even recognize him. They didn't know who it was. In John chapter 1, it says he was, of the, he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. How sad that is, that we must admit to ourselves that it's possible to quote scriptures forwards and backwards and and like Peter, hear sermon after sermon and, and be in the presence of Jesus. And truth was standing there right before you, looking you in the eyes. And the Almighty was looking. You felt the anointing. And, and you felt the presence of God in the services. And you ran the aisles. And you danced in the Holy Ghost. And you sang His name. But you just knew of Him. It's not just us. But it's also noted in the Bible to believe in Jesus and yet not know Him. We find in Peter where it talks about that I do not know him. He's denying his relationship, his existence. And James chapter 2 and verse 19 says, Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. The devils recognize the existence of God, but they do not know God. They know of him and his existence, but none of them know him like each and every one of us has the opportunity to. In John chapter 8, in verse 30, it says, And he spake these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to the Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then ye are my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Many Christians are deceived by this mindset of thinking, I believe in Christ and everything is okay. Everything is a-okay. I have my testimony all polished up, just waiting to whip it out. And tell somebody about my testimony. But you've limited God 
to your entrance into truth, into your testimony of just being at your experience of baptism in Jesus' name and being filled with his Holy Ghost and your initial change, you limit him and you box him up and you put him in your little testimony book and you say, this is how I was saved. But as pastor said this last weekend, marriage is more than just the ceremony. It's the life after. It's the year. It's the disagreement and resolve and going forward and loving each other. Saints of God, we got to get beyond just allowing ourselves to be limited for what God has done for us in the past and say, God, I know you have a promise for me. The future is beautiful. Just let it unfold in front of me and just let your promises reach out and just bathe me in your promises. And I realize that's the God I worship and he's here talking to me again and again. He's allowing me to see the future and he wants to do for me and how he wants to nurture me and grow me. If you never feel the hand of God and his love, are you really knowing him? If you never feel his peace when you lay your head down at night, are you really knowing him? I can say and use and throw anybody's name in here, but I can say for the sake of people and powerful people, especially people that are very much in the news this week, you could say, I believe in Tim Cook. And I accept him as my personal Savior. And you can say this over and over and over. You can say this about any name, and you can put in Bill Gates. You can put in any rich and wealthy person in this world. You can put in the powerful people of this world, presidents and diplomats. And it's never going to do anything for you. But if Tim Cook were to adopt you and make you his son and bring you into his house, and sit down and have dinner with you and spend day after day after day, you would know Tim Cook. If we were to grant God the same luxury of us just being his son or his daughter and just let him do what he really wants to do, Brother Brandon, he just wants to bring us in his house. He wants to sit down and sup with us. He wants to just sit down and break his word open and say, let me show you something I've never showed anybody else through all the ages of time. Look at this scripture. People have written this by hand and the scribes have, have written this down so beautiful and, and, and it's been memorized and read and people don't get it. But let me show you something that no one else knows. Let me give you a revelation. That's God just supping with us. Let's just giving us his time. That's knowing God. But we try to jump to extremes in our walk with God. I know this is simple, but it's like in our social environment. You have a well-meaning young man. Let's just use Brother Jared, for example. Get on social media and see a picture on Instagram and like some picture. Oh, that's a really cool picture. And then all of a sudden, it's a, it's a, a lady, young lady's account. And she takes that and says, oh, Brother Jared liked my picture. And then she goes and tells her friends, you know, he liked my picture. So we must be getting pretty serious. <laughs> we try to jump to extremes. We don't give God the chance to court us and us to court him and just to fall in love. We try to say, oh, well, I've got to be just like this person. But the whole time, the love story's in front of us. 
And he's wanting us to be just like him. We try to be like somebody else that's trying to be like somebody else that's trying to be like somebody else and on and on when all he ever wants us to do is to be just like him. You must believe and salvation cannot come without your initial belief. But the words of the prophet are true. We must press on to know him. If I stay at this level of mental and verbal belief, I'll never get any deeper in God. I'll never get any deeper in the Holy Ghost. I'll never feel the deep moving waves of a spirit as it sweeps into your prayer time and your Bible reading time and the services. It'll just be a shallow walk with him. But God wants us to take on his name. He wants us to walk into his presence, lift up our hands and, and just talk to him, not anybody else and not to pray to be heard by anybody else, pastor or Sister Regan, or any other minister, anybody in the saints of God walking in, but just to talk to him. You're leaving a message, and you're saying, God, is just me and you, that I may know him, that I may know him. Jesus talks to a woman at the well and tells her, you worship, you know not what. It's possible for someone to walk in these back doors, clap their hands, say his name, Pray and know not what. They don't really realize whose presence they're really standing in this evening. And John chapter 4 and verse 23 says, But the hour cometh, and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the, Spirit, the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth in truth. You need to worship him in spirit and in truth. In other words, we need to worship him and yet true worship springs from knowing him. We need to believe and to worship. This is why Paul says in Acts chapter 19 and verse 2, I'll use another, the English standard version, he said unto them, did you receive the Holy Ghost when you believed? And they said, no, we have not heard that, the whole, that there is a Holy Spirit. They had, not, they had believed, but not received the Holy Ghost. They had been baptized, but not in the name of Jesus. If you read on down in the verses of Scripture, you'll find where Paul led them to being baptized in the name of Jesus. And they received the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. They had believed in Jesus, but now they're beginning to know him. They took him to another dimension in their life. And they took him to the name, and they were adopted into the family. And Jesus moved inside of their bodies in spirit form, it became something that was a comforter to them. They could call out to and in the midst of a storm, begin to say, God, I really need you right now. And he's right there. It's his promise. This isn't being made up by Brother Golf. It's his promise. He says he's going to. He promises to his children. So for us to know him, we have to know his true identity. We would think someone strange if they told us, yeah, I know that person sitting over there. And if you were to say, well, well, what's their name? And if they couldn't tell you that name, they'd be a liar. People like to do that. Oh, I like to, oh yeah, me and him go way back. Name drop. Oh yeah, we, we've known each other for years and years. Well, when's the last time you talked to him? Oh, my graduation was, let's see, 20, 30 years ago and... Saints of God, we can't do that with God. We can't say we know him. And when someone says, tell me about Jesus, 
Well, let me brush up on a Bible study and I'll call you back in a couple of weeks when I'm a little more fresh in my mind. God wants us to be able to talk about him free from the heart. In John chapter 14 and verse 7 it says, If you had known me, you would have known my father also. And from the henceforth you know him and have seen him. Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the father and it suffice us. Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long time, long time with you? And it has not known me. Philip, he hath seen me, hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? We find this week is the last week of Jesus' life. And Philip's asking to see the Father. And Jesus is saying, I've been with you the whole time. You're asking a question, you had the answer in front of you the whole time. Show us the Father, you're looking at the Father. Philip had been serving Jesus for years, had a ministry, and preached and done many wonderful things in the name of Jesus Christ, but never got a true relation, a true revelation of who Jesus is and what the name of the Father is and who was looking at him right in the face this whole time. We could read in Isaiah chapter 9, talking about the very powerful passage that said, For unto us a child is born, us a son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We, we read through these scriptures and it's so easy for us to say, yeah, that, that's what God is, but you got to know his ways. John chapter 2 and verse 3, it says, and hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. And that he that saith, I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. That's just like us saying, yeah, I know him, but can't say his name. But whoso keepeth his word in him, verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know that we are in him. And he that saith he abideth in him ought, also, ought himself also to walk, even as he walked. To know him, we must walk in the way that he walked. We must walk in the ways that our Jesus, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, laid the example before us and walk in his ways, in his paths. It's so easy in our minds. To get so caught up in things of life, work, and school, and family, responsibilities, and everything going on, and we forget about Jesus this whole time. Sometimes he's kind to us and wakes us up gently and lets someone walk into our office or call us on the phone or reach out to us and say, I'm so unhappy. And you're like, I need to tell him about Jesus. Sometimes he just wants to see how serious you are living for him. How long is it going to take before his name pops in your mind? And you get down on your knees and you pray. How long is it going to take before you say, I know him? 1 John chapter 3 and verse 6 says, Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Scriptures are beautiful in it. And it shows us where we can reach and grasp onto God and, and we can show his love. But we must, in order to know him, we must know about his love. And John, 1 John chapter 4 and verse 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love, of, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. For us to know him, we must know God's absolute love. You will only know God if you act in love toward him. 
We speak of his love towards us, but what about our love toward him? None of the affection that we give to our loved ones when we go through these trying times, we don't do it because we have to. We give, we share, we support, we do it because we love them. God does the very same thing for his children. He does it because he absolutely loves us. So it is God looking and saying, I don't have to, but I want to. When we say, oh, do I have to go to church? No, I want to. Do I have to change? No, I want to change. Do I have to pray? No, I want to pray. Our viewpoint is errant if we're looking at all the haves and the have-nots. We've missed the entire crux of the matter. We're trying to obey him through the haves. When he said, just fall in love with me and they'll fall right in line. Just fall in deep in love with me and everything will line up. Just get me in the forefront of your mind and your prayers and your thoughts. And, and it was so disappointing. I was at lunch this week with the gentleman that I work with and a very intelligent individual and involved in his local assembly and teaches Bible studies and uh, really involved. And he stood there at lunch, and we were sitting there, I'm sorry, and we're eating, and he said, you know what, Douglas, I am so disappointed in my church. In my mind, that's the greatest news I could ever hear all day. In his mind, his life is just turned upside down. His pastor is throwing away beliefs in the Bible, trying to become more mainstream and become more politically correct and trying to merge and bring in the more liberal thinking and and we're in their church organization to where just things are open arm, bring it in. We don't care. We just want you to be a part. He said, I'm so disappointed. He had fallen out of love with God. It just become routine, just going to church, just going in, sitting down, listening to Bible study. You could see the look in his eyes talking about church. He wasn't alive and vibrant, wasn't full of love. It wasn't something that was inside of his heart just beating out, saying, I must tell somebody about Jesus Christ. It was, I just don't know what to do anymore. My pastors went off the deep end, mega church here in town, one of the largest churches of their organization in the world. This man's being used and not in love with God. I began to talk to him and talk about church. I began to let him just open up his heart and talk because in those moments, it's not you responding, it's God responding. It's not you trying to fix their problems, it's God reaching in and saying, all right, he's opened up to you, let me talk to him. And you just let him open up his heart, begin to talk, and you know, bring up little things. Well, my pastor preaches against what your pastor says is okay. Oh, really? Well, tell me what your pastor preaches. And just begin to open up that door. you got to know his love in order to share it. you got to know his presence. There's a story in the Bible that sometimes we just gloss over. Jesus is at home. He's in a home which is very comfortable. Martha and Mary are busy cooking, running around the house. All of a sudden, Martha is pulled away by all she had to do in the kitchen and later steps in interrupting and saying, Master, don't you care that my sister has abandoned the kitchen to me? Tell her to lend me a hand. The Master says, Martha... Dear Martha, you're fussing far too much and getting yourself worked up over nothing. One thing is essential, and Mary has chosen it. It's the main course. 
and it won't be taken from her. She's in love with God. Saints of God, we can get so wrapped up. Our minds can get so clouded. It's so hard to lay down and fall asleep at night because it's all this, I need to do, I need to do, someone's waiting, I got to get this done. But he's just wanting us to talk to him. Just to say, oh, you're so wrapped up. In the kitchen, oh, this has got to be cooked and this person's relying on me. But what if you were just to walk into his presence and him say, I've just been waiting for you all this time. Just let me sit down and talk to you. Those moments can't be bought. Those moments can't be duplicated. No one can step in your life and have such a meaningful conversation as when you converse with God. No one can walk in and say, oh, you know what? I can have some deep theological discussions and I can reveal to you some scriptures, but nothing takes the place of when you sit down and you feel the peace of God just settle on you. Martha, Martha. We need God to strengthen our lives. We need strength to do what is right. We need strength to walk faithfully in God's way. We need strength to fight against the things that would try to distract us and weaken us and destroy us. We need strength to stand for God in this evil world. The need is for strength. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. So in order to get more strength, I need more joy. How do I get more joy? The Bible tells us how in Psalms chapter 16 and verse 11, I read in the ESV, it says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Where is the fullness of joy? It's in the presence of God. Where does our strength come from? It's from our joy. The strong will be those who know him. The joyful will be those who truly know him. Saints of God, it's easy for us to get wrapped up in the hustle and bustle. Thankfully, Peter didn't end his life at a low point. We'd be reading a different story. He said, I don't know him. But then the Holy Spirit came on him. and Peter came. You know what? I disappointed myself. I disappointed my Savior. I must get to know him. Later in Scripture, it says Peter is someone who had been with Jesus. And when he wrote his final letter in 2 Peter it says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all this by coming to know him. Everything we need, we've received by coming to know him. The one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. It wasn't just some simpleton going out and passing out $100 bills and people beginning to like him and call him secret Santa. No, it was a savior that went to a cross and was buried and rose again. That's the one who calls us back to him and says, you want to see something special? Let me show you something. How did you overcome Peter? It was by coming to know him. Peter, how did you get over your weakness, your human nature? It was by coming to know him. How did you get past so many mistakes and failures? It was by coming to know him. How did you get great in the kingdom of heaven? It was by coming to know him. Can we stand tonight? The word of God is asking us not just to 
Oh, yeah, I know him. I've been a member of this church for so many years, and I know him. But he's wanting us to follow Peter's example. Make up your mind, no matter where you're at in your life. If we were to put a performance graph of our spirits across this sanctuary tonight, some would be high, some would be low. Some would be in the middle, some on the downward. No matter where you're at, you must know him. You must know him. Not just him, but to know of him for yourself. Not just to know of him and keep him to yourself, but to know him and tell others about him. Saints, we have the obligation, we have the responsibility to walk into this house, hear his word, walk out and apply it and say, God, I must know you. Can we lift our hands and talk to him this evening? Heavenly Father, we love you, Jesus. Master, without you, we are absolutely nothing. Without you, God, we know nothing about what is truth and right and pure and peaceful. We're just going through the motions, God, but we must know you. Whether we're standing on the porch of life and friends and family and those around us are asking us, are you a Christian? And do we deny him? And looking up in the face of a master and say, I don't know him. But saints of God, there is an answer here today where we don't have to just say, oh, I'm in a low point in my life and walk out as Judas. But we can follow Peter's example and say, I know him and I want to get to know him even better. Let's, let's pray where we're at right now. Let's lift our hands and let's just talk to him.